Matthew 5, verse 21 says, You have heard the ancients were told that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, You fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. And I'm going to stop right there. And I want you to remember our conversations specifically over the past couple of weeks because we've been talking about uh, really kind of confronting the Pharisee mentality. Uh, The Pharisees and the scribes and some of the religious people were living and they were promoting a lifestyle of serving God that was based upon works. It was based upon deeds, um, rules, basically the merit of their own accomplishments. And Jesus had warned his disciples. He said, he said, unless uh, your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not even enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, basically what we've been talking about is they've been misinterpreting and even adding to a ton of the law. A lot of scriptures, a lot of rules, a lot of stuff, not scriptures, but a lot of law um, to the laws. And what they were doing is they were calling people to follow their laws, uh, and they were doing that for a long time. And that's why Jesus said, you have heard the ancients were told. In other words, they've been saying this for a long time. They've been following the Pharisaical law or the uh, law of the Pharisees for a long time. And he goes on to say, you have heard the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Now remember I said one of the things they've been doing terribly is interpreting the Scripture. One of the scriptures they've been interpreting fairly poorly was this idea uh, that comes straight from the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. In other words, um, if you murder, you will, you will be put to death or you will be punished that way. Most of the people, you have to realize that most of the people that are hearing this had never even studied the law for themselves. They're basically going by what the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law had told them. That's why it says, you have heard them said, but I'm telling you, um, um, you know, something different. It's true enough that you should not murder, but what I am saying is that that's, there's more than that that's not acceptable. For the, for the Pharisees, they're basically saying, murder, don't do that, but anything else is acceptable. For example, um, steal my goat, I'll punch your throat. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Now, they wouldn't say, now, as long as you don't cut the throat, you're all right. You know what I mean? I'll punch your throat, but you never will cut it. Well, that's kind of the mentality it was. As long as you don't murder, you're going to be fine. You can do just about anything else you want. But Jesus, he said, I say to you, and I thought about just real quick, side note. I thought about, he said, but I say to you, or I tell you, and I thought about the authority that came with that. And for some reason, my mind jumped back to that scene where the Roman guards came to get Jesus after he and his disciples had been praying all night um, in the garden. And they said, are you Jesus uh, of Nazareth? And he said, I am. I don't know if he bowed up and was like, I am, you know. But the scripture says that um, those people, those guards just flew back as soon as he said, I am. Because of the power of who he is and the words that he's spoken, that power went forth and it knocked them to their feet. In fact, it says it, it did that, they did that a couple of times. Are you, I am, boom, fell straight to the face. And I thought about that, the same thing with this, the authority that he is saying this with. He is the authority in the words that he is speaking with authority. He says, but I say to you, even everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Now, the short version of what's going on here is that Jesus is correcting their mentality. It's not just the dude that kills somebody 
that is going to be, uh, come under judgment. It is all of us. Let me say it in, in first person here again. All of us who have murderous intentions in our heart. All of us who have these things going on in our heart. Maybe we're not committing murder, but we got this weird, wicked stuff going on in our heart. And like we've talked about before, Jesus is calling out um, <laughs> the heresy of the Pharisee. <laughs> you know, the heresy that they are teaching and, uh, and trying to call these people to a higher standard. It was, for the Pharisees, it was all about the external. But Jesus is saying it's more about the internal than you can even imagine. The hearts that are right before God, not just hands. You guys hear what I'm saying? It's not just about the external. It's about what's going on in the internal. And, um, and so, uh, which kind of brings me back to that scripture we've been quoting, Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 24. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can climb? to the place where his glory dwells. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, right? And so that's what he's trying to tell these guys. Now, what I want to do tonight, and I'll do it really quickly for the sake of time, is I want to give as practical as a heart check and challenge as I can based upon this. And so it's very clear that he's talking about certain things kind of giving a, a, an appeal to the judicial system of that day to help them understand a bigger spiritual reality. But what I want to do is I want to show you um, that there's actually a progression that's going on in here. And, and in fact, this is something that the Lord showed me that made me even want to go through the Sermon on the Mount. And I want, to, I want to kind of show you what the Lord showed me. And I think it's one of the most important things that a person that is in community in the body of Christ can hear. Okay, so you guys tracking with me? Grab your pen, write some things down. There's a progression that he lays out if you'll take the time to see it. And it is, I'm going to call it the three levels of offense. Okay? The three levels of offense. Now, please know that I've done everything that I can do, all the tricks that I can pull out as a preacher. I mean, I got three points. They rhyme. They're alliterated. If you don't get this, then it's not my fault. I've done everything that I know how, okay? So three levels of offense. Look what he says, starting in verse 22. But I say to you, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough. Everybody say guilty enough. Guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. And so it's pretty easy, if you look, it's pretty easy to see one part of the progression right there be worthy of judgment before the court, the Supreme Court, or it's possible that you do something wrong enough that you could even go straight to hell. You guys hear what I'm saying? That was, that's a caricature of what he's saying, but that's kind of what he's saying. There's that level right there. But what I want to do is I want to show you some different words in the Scripture that also kind of point to a progression. Three levels of offense. And the first thing I want you to write down is personal agitation. Personal agitation. Look what it says. Whoever is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever is angry with his brother. Now this word angry can surely mean uh, to be provoked to anger. It can mean to be exasperated. But it also comes from a word that means the movement or agitation of the soul. Okay, let that sink in. The agitation of your soul. If you are here last week, you know we talked about some of the soulish 
part of our, of our makeup, our, our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our decision-making, the way we perceive things, the way that we take things and mill things over, the meditations of our heart. That's our soulish area. And here he's kind of talking about um, the agitation of that area of our, of our life, the agitation of our soul. Another way to say that would be to be offended. Everybody say that. To be offended. Okay? Um, I thought about how on all kinds of levels, people can do things or say things to us or, or um, about us that can agitate us. And they can be on any level. They can literally be just something that annoys us. It just agitates me. I can't even believe that person would do that or think that way. It wasn't necessarily towards me, but the way they are. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, just the way they are. Man, I've never known anybody like that. I mean, just think of the things we say. So <laughs> some of you are like, this ain't going to be good tonight. <laughs> so personal agitation, something that agitates you in a personal way. Uh, I saw online that there was a book. I haven't read it. It's from, by a, a guy named, kind of a pastor guy. He is a pastor, like an associate pastor named Brian Williams. He has a book out that's called Overcoming Offenses. This is a Christian book, a guy that wrote this in the church. There's probably a reason. Overcoming Offenses, 10 Steps for Healing Your Offended Soul. I thought that was interesting. Healing your offended soul. It reminds me of another book by John Bevere. I always want to say Paul Revere, but Paul Revere didn't write any Christian books that I know of. So John Bevere wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. How many of you have read that book? It's a really good book. Basically, the premise is the enemy will bait us with offense. He will bait us towards being angry, I mean, literally trying to get us as far away from God as he can. And one of his best tools, one of his best baits, one of his best lures is to create personal agitations. Y'all with me so far? So the first thing is um, personal agitations. I want you to write this down. When we let offense reach our soul, it will affect our spirit. Okay? It will affect our righteousness, however you want to say that. When we let offense reach our soul, it will affect our spirit. Well, how do you know that? Well, look what it says here. Whoever is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. I want to look at that word guilty because the word guilty basically means you are liable. Okay? Whoever is angry with his brother is liable. Liable for what? Well, the root word for that word liable, for that word guilty, means to set oneself against or to hold a grudge against. I mean, come on. I'm not making this stuff up. It's written right there. You just got to dig it out. To hold, uh, to set oneself against, to hold a grudge. Another way to say that is to be offended. And I was thinking about how offense causes us to set ourselves up against the offender. When someone offends us, when someone does something, whether it's on a small scale or a big, big scale, if it's just a small agitation or maybe something that is a literal offense, what we do as we um, set ourselves up, up against that offender. Another way of saying that, let me just say it like this. We run out of grace for that person. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, they've just gone too far. They have gotten too weird. Or they've done too much. I just don't have the grace for that person anymore. It's very common when we, when we lose that grace or when we um, get offended with someone or we're agitated to that point that we just kind of close ourselves off from that people. People who get on our nerves. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's why we're those people. The Christians are the worst about this in the grocery stores. You know what I mean? We're going and we're like, whoa, babe, get down. 
Who was it? You know, the agitator. Code word, agitate. You know what I mean? We get down and we're moving on to the cereal aisle, hoping that we don't have another agitator over there. We're the worst. Some of my, some of the um, worst, the worst experiences I've, I've had with that is when um, Melissa and I um, moved on from one church and started doing something else at another church. And then those people see you and they're like, oh. I mean, I've seen people um, avoid me. It's like, what? Do I agitate you? You know what I mean? So you want to just go up to them behind them and like, you know, do something weird to them. I'll give you a reason. Like my dad used to say, I'll give you something to cry about. You know, anyway. So, so offenses cause us to set ourselves up against the offender to kind of run out of grace for that person. And we don't even want to be around them anymore. You guys, that's a big deal. Especially if it's someone that you have um, uh, been in community and fellowship with before. It's kind of like when, when David said of King Saul. Most people don't realize this, but they used to be buddies. Think about it. There was a time when they were okay with each other. In fact, David said, this wouldn't be that big of a deal. You guys know the story. He threw spears at David and, and sent him and, and chased him and tried to kill him. David's like, you know, this wouldn't be that big of a deal if we hadn't once enjoyed sweet fellowship. That's what he said. Something agitated Saul. He was offended. Why? He was offended at David's success. Did David do anything to him? No, but his life was agitating him to the point where it was affecting his spirit. In fact, it says that evil spirit would come upon the Lord and David would have to play his harp. Eventually, Saul couldn't even take the, the soothing of that. He started throwing spears at David. David's like, you know what? I'm out. So he left. Offenses cause us to set ourselves up against the offender. And when I call them the offender, I don't mean that they're necessarily truly an offender. They're only the offender because we put them in that place of being the offender. You guys hear what I'm saying? They could very well have not done anything except for be who they are. God bless them, right? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, that's you, Tony. You offend them. So setting ourselves up against the offender, and hear me close, when you set yourself up against the offender, that is offensive to God. It is. We can refer back to any one of Jesus' teachings almost, especially the ones that say love one another. When we hold someone in offense or we, we, we keep them in that place, what we are doing in that moment, we don't realize it, but we are, we are being offensive to God. We are, we are sinning. Look what it says. Um, Whoever is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. That word court can mean anything from simple separation. They're judged just enough to say, you know what, I need to separate from you. That could be another person. You know what, this is where you're at. It's not where I need to be. I'm going to separate you. Kind of like a lot of us had to do with our friends once we got saved. Okay? So it could mean something as simple as that all the way down to eternal judgment. So the word can be used in all kinds of ways. But you think about that. Harboring an offense someone is a personal sin. that you can, It can be hidden. You can hide that. But that is something that literally will cause a, a, um, a chasm in your relationship with the Lord. I don't know why I'm not hearing from the Lord right now. I don't know why I just don't feel his presence whenever I'm having my quiet time. Or I don't know why, you know what I mean, the questions we ask? Well, guess what? There's about 10 people on your agitation list that really don't need to be there. You guys hear what I'm saying? Oh, I'm not hearing too many amens on this. This is huge because we're in a community together, and we, this is where we're at in Scripture. I can't help it. This is where we're at. We've got to teach on it. Jesus did. Okay? So you can write this thing down. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll say this first. Harboring an offense towards someone is a personal sin that can be hidden for a while, but not for very long. And here's why. You can write this down. And an agitated soul will always take offense to the next level. 
Always. Just like sin is never satisfied, it will always go to the next level. That's why you don't start looking at dirty stuff on the internet because you will end up doing the things that you see. That's why you don't start with little white lies because one day you'll grow comfortable with big fat lies. Okay, Sin knows no bounds. It always needs more food, and so it will bring us along. An agitated soul will always take offense to the next level. The next level would be first level personal agitation, and I looked hard for a word so I could fulfill my preacher duties. Private alteration. Okay? Personal agitation, the next level would be private alteration. Think about what the word alteration means. We know what private means. That means private. Okay? Alteration basically involves the reconsideration of something. Something changes. Something alters. Something's different. Again, back to that, we used to be friends. We used to hang out. We used to enjoy being together. All of a sudden... He's snubbing me, or I'm snubbing him. There's this, there's this alteration that happened in our relationship. It says, whoever says, the next one, remember, whoever says to his brothers, uh, his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Okay, this next level of, of something, okay? You're angry, okay, but now it's this you good for nothing thing. Some of your versions, if you look at it, it actually says, uh, he who says to his brother, Raka. Raka is basically the, the Hebrew word that means you good for nothing or it means idiot. Some of your versions may even say idiot, okay? Or it may, may say worthless or it may even say worthless idiot. That's the point where we come to in the next phase of sin as it relates to offense. We think that person is worthless, that they're an idiot. We don't even want to be around them. Now, maybe we would never verbally say that. It's not, and in fact, I think when he says, whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, most people don't have the gall to say that. So that's something that is more like manifested or shown or seen. We wouldn't necessarily say it verbally, but it comes out practically. You think this guy's an idiot, don't you? You hear what I'm saying? In fact, what does he say? He says, um, you good for nothing shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Now, without getting too guilty, the Supreme Court that he's talking about is basically um, the Sanhedrin, okay? The Sanhedrin, a big group of 71 leaders made up of elders, made up of um, Pharisees, made up of the, the high priestly family, at least some of the more prominent ones. And then the high priest himself was the president of the Sanhedrin. In fact, the word for Supreme Court right there is the word, where we get the word Sanhedrin. And so he's talking about this, um, this, this uh, thing that is brought before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is basically the one that can make some really big judgments. Okay? They only have the power that the Romans would give them, but they could um, take it before the Sanhedrin and they could pronounce death upon somebody. As long as the Roman officials say that's okay, they could do that. In fact, remember, they're the ones that brought Jesus to the Roman governors, to Pontius Pilate. You guys remember that? That was the Sanhedrin. The high priest was uh, Caiaphas. Okay, my point in that is maybe we wouldn't say it aloud. But when you're around others and there is obvious offense towards someone, obvious agitation, it will ooze out. And many people will see it. It may not come out verbally. I may not say you're a worthless idiot. But the way I'm beginning to treat you, other people are even starting to notice. You hear what I'm saying? I've had that. I've had people say, man, are you and so-and-so not friends anymore? I mean, you guys ever had that happen to you? I mean, it happens. <laughs> it happens to me. It's because the sin of harboring an offense doesn't stay hidden 
very long, eventually people are going to take notice that something has changed in your heart towards that person. Maybe there's some relationship that you have right now that it has changed. And maybe even someone has said something to you. Man, what's going on? Is there something going on between you or, or whatever? Especially, yeah, anyway. It can happen a lot in family. It's easy to harbor offenses in families. We can avoid it. We, we are more inclined to make up with our friends before we are our family. It's really weird a lot of times. So there's this progression here. And the next, the next thing, the last thing, personal agitation, private alteration. Something's going on in your heart and it's altered your behavior. And it, 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 there's no way it won't eventually end up, if you don't deal with it, in public accusation. Okay? And in other words, look what he says. He says, whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go to the fiery hell. That word fool is actually where we get the word moron. <laughs> it's moros. It's where we get the word moron. It means profane. It means that someone is impious. It means that someone is ungodly, unlearned, uh, unlovely. It comes from a root word that means to curse that person. Okay, so I look at this and I'm, talk, I'm thinking this is the stage where it actually does start coming out of our mouth. This is the stage that of, of offense that has led to gossip and has led to slander, maybe rallying the troops against that person, against that situation. This is usually a big offense. But those happen. Can I get an amen? The public accusation. Man, I, can, can you believe so-and-so? Can you, I mean, you guys know. I don't even have to get elementary here. You guys know what I'm talking about. Titus 3 talks about how we should not malign anyone or speak ill of anyone. That we shouldn't speak wickedness over anyone or speak um, evil towards or over anyone. That's what that word fool, to say you fool, you're basically saying God's even given up on you. Curse you. Because it's, who was it, James? Blessing? No, who was it? It said blessing and curses. It's one or the other. You speak blessing or curses. So if you're not speaking blessing, if your words aren't that, then they may fall in line with you fool, speaking curses. Timothy, uh, Paul said in Titus, to malign no one but to be peaceable, to be gentle, showing every consideration for all men. That's another way of saying have grace, consider whatever it is that offended you, whatever it is that agitated you, consider and show grace. Everybody say consider, consider. show grace. And show grace. He says, otherwise, you would be guilty enough. And Jesus, this is Jesus' word. He said it, not me. That kind of attitude, heart place, place of your spirit, will actually, is actually, he says, would make you guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Why? And, and I'll just say it this way. Because holding a grudge, harboring offense, however you want to say it, interrupts a heart of love and a heart to give. When you hold on to that, when you hold on to the fence, it literally, it's like clogging the arteries of God's heart down to ours, <laughs> whatever. It interrupts the flow of God's love, the heart of love, and a heart to give. Think about that. I, I, we once enjoyed sweet fellowship, but now you hate me. Or maybe now you hate that person. You don't even want to be around them. You're so agitated. You just, you've altered everything. Everything's changed. You don't even want to be around them. That's not love. 
And when that's the place that you find yourself in, absolutely no giving is going on. There's certainly no giving of attention. You're certainly not going to give that person an ear if they need it. You're not going to give the grace that they need. You're not going to consider that they may have been going through this or going whatever it was that might have caused them to offend you to begin with. Holding a grudge interrupts a heart of love and a heart to give. And you guys, it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to know that that is what the gospel is built on. Love and giving. Love and giving. John 3.16, right? God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved that he gave. And that is the attitude and heart that we're supposed to have. And that is why I believe when there was a misinterpretation of some laws... And there's a bunch of them. There's five more to cover. But this is the first one. Because it has to do with a lack of love. A lack of giving. Amen? Let's stand really quick. I have some things to share um, as, as far as a, for us as a body. But I do want us to respond here. And, and it's not going to be a big deal. But I am going to ask if everybody would just, just close their eyes and stand. I, I think standing is a way to exert energy. <laughs> so it's a great way to respond to the Lord by standing. It's also a great way to, you know, you can get on your face if you'd like to do that too. That's a great way to respond. But I just want you to think, okay? I, I laid out three, uh, three levels of offense. Personal agitation, private alteration, and then public accusation. And you may have never made it to the public accusation before, and that would be great. But maybe you're hanging around, just you are so agitated with someone right now that you don't even want to be around them. You've literally altered your relationship based upon their actions. Or maybe you are someone that you realize, holy cow, that gossip, that slander, those things that I've been letting slip out of my mouth, first of all, Scripture says I, I would be guilty enough to um, take on some serious punishment. Don't know exactly what all that was. That's not the message point here. But we know that it's sin against the Lord. And maybe you need to just consider that. Just a couple seconds. You can close your eyes and think. Lord, I pray right now.